the unknown, the unknown. Going into the unknown is, can be um, a very scary feeling. I recently watched this series called The Last of Us. Any fans out there? Last of Us? Hey, hey. So, my man. Last of Us. It's a good series um, on HBO. Uh, it's another one of those um, zombie post-apocalyptic um, series. And, you know, I think sometimes there's, we feel like there's so many of them. You're like, you know, why watch another one? But, you know, there's, there's something about these, these, these by either movies or uh, television shows that are really intriguing. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where in any of these zombie-type post-apocalyptic uh, series or, or movies, they, you feel that sense of the unknown, right? It's, it's crazy out there, right? <laughs> and so uh, you, the main character has to, I don't know, go into a warehouse that's we don't know is full of zombies or have go to an open field, and you're just unsure what's going to happen, and you're just like, why? Why are you so dumb? You know, don't go there. Or, you know, we just, we, we, we come up with all these different things. That, but, you know, but then we realize like, well, they have to because that's what they got to do to survive or save the world, you know, just whatever the storyline might be. But often we get scared when you put your, you know, when we watch these shows, we get scared. We get scared um, because we don't know what's going to happen to them. And, you know, we find these characters as they go into the unknown you you see the fear you see um them trying to believe that they gotta do what they gotta do to survive or save the world so you we, we see them keep going um to do it and you know there's something as silly as some of us think these show these types of movies are or or shows are i think there's something to be said about what these what it actually draws out about humanity um that's what i'm always looking for when i watch things i'm just like what's what's the human thing here like what am i connecting with why do i find it why is it so intriguing and you realize that really these shows as crazy as they are they really do pick up on some of our human tendencies that we feel because going into the unknown in general can be scary. Uh, how do we move forward into something that makes us feel so uncomfortable? As we look at the life of Abraham and his relationship with God, even in these few verses that we see here in the book of Hebrews, uh, it helps us understand how to walk forward into the unknown in life. And you know, Abraham has always been an inspirational figure in Scripture for myself personally. Um, as I enter, as our family enters this new season of uh, our lives, um, and I was reflecting, what, what do you preach on your last Sunday, you know? Um, I was drawn to Abraham. I was drawn to want to study his life again and his relationship with God and as I personally move forward, and as I think, as we as a church reflect on what it means to move forward into the unknown, I think it could be helpful. But I hope that as we take a look at these few verses, we can be inspired, we can be challenged, 
to live out our lives the way that Abraham did, the way that he had his relationship with God, that we would aspire to experience that in our own lives. Because I know at times we think that Abraham was a hero, but just like you and I, he was an ordinary person. He was just a person that listened and obeyed God. And there's something that we can draw from as we look to him. And so what we learn just from our spiritual forefather, Abraham, is what the life of faith looks like. What the life of faith looks like. Um, we'll cover three aspects of the life of faith of Abraham in these short verses. And you know what? I wasn't planning on to preach on anything profound today. I felt, let's keep it simple, but let's keep it real. And let's allow God to just work through the simplicity of things that we know, but we're not sure if we may embody. But let's allow the word to speak to us this morning. The first thing is the life of faith obeys God's call. The life of faith obeys God's call, obedience into the unfamiliar. Look with me here at verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed, and he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You see, the writer recalls Abraham's faith here actually from the Genesis 12 account. You know, prior to Genesis 12, uh, Abram's father, Terah, led his family from this area called Ur of the Chaldeans to, uh, which is actually modern-day Iraq, to uh, Haran, which is modern-day southern Turkey. And in Genesis 11.31, it tells us that Terah and his, his family with Abraham and his wife and all their extended family, they settled in Hera. They, their family planted roots in this city. They be, this became home for Abraham and his wife Sarah and their extended, extended family. And it's where they settled to find their community. They, they worked here. They tilled the land. Haran was home for many, many years for Abraham and his wife. That was until he heard God's call that we read in Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These three verses are known as the Abrahamic covenant, which is God's promise to bless all the families of the earth through Abraham and his descendants. And it's such a pillar of scripture because this is where we see, again, God's promise from Adam and now to, to, uh, to Abraham that through this lineage, through the seed and now through the lineage, um, someone's going to come forth. This family will bless all the families of the earth. And a lot of it is we understand this to ultimately be that it's through this lineage that Jesus 
comes into the world. But what can get lost in a lot of these theological discussions about the Abrahamic covenant is simply Abraham's faith, his, his faith here. He was told to obey God and to leave his land, to leave his kin, to leave his community, to leave his livelihood, this place where he had settled it, to go to a place unfamiliar to him. The writer of Hebrews says that by faith he went, not knowing where he was going, not knowing where he was going. And he didn't go to a new land to possess it, but to live in it as an act of obedience to God. Verse 9, it says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. You see, God didn't promise Abraham security of settling in this new land. Abraham was to live in tents. He ended up living in tents the rest of his life. Yet God said, go, obey, but you will actually never settle down. Yet God will fulfill his promise through Abraham, through you and my descendants. That promise was that through his lineage, they would be able to bless through Abraham and his descendants, that they would be the ones to be able to bless uniquely all the families of the earth. You see, the life of faith obeys God's call, even though, uh, even into what's unfamiliar, to bless, to shine, to radiate God's character to all the families of the earth. You know, I believe this type of faith into the unfamiliar, it really flies into the face of the value system living here um, in the West. It even flies in the face, I would say, to us as believers. So much of our faith today um, is really predicated on what is familiar, right. on protecting our comfort, our established rhythms. We like rhythms. We don't like things to get messed up. That's pretty much everyone, right? In, in, at least that I know. Uh, no one likes anything get, getting messed up. They're, no one likes their rhythms getting broken. And so much of our faith today can be like that. It become rhythms of, of church, of going to church on Sundays, of seeing our church community. Our faith has become protecting what is familiar, right? We do what it takes to protect these rhythms because we don't want it to break. Yet the faith that we see in Scripture, it's not based on those things. It's not based on those things. The faith we see in Scripture that we see in Abraham calls us to obey God into what is unfamiliar. Faith calls us out of our comfort to bless others. I want us to sit on that for a second. Faith that obeys God into the unfamiliar to be a blessing. I want us to kind of just sit on that and reflect on that. What does that, what would that mean for us today? What would it mean for us to obey God, God's call into what's uncomfortable? Now, the application here isn't that we all uh, become, 
you know, cross-cultural workers and missionaries, you know, and, and, you know, I think sometimes we think that's the only application, but, and, and God bless God, those that he, um, God calls. I mean, for David and Lorraine, their family, we, we can be inspired by their obedience, but not all of us are called to do that. For us who are people who work nine to five jobs, who have time on our hands or don't have time on our hands because we're raising families. Uh, some of us here are retired. What does the life of, of faith, what does faith and obedience to God's call uh, out of our comfort and into the unfamiliar actually look like? What does that look like for us? I think for some of us, we need to first recognize that we've set ourselves up to be very comfortable. Um, whether we acknowledge it or not, some of us have really created a, a fortress to protect what is familiar. Whether it's faith and, and church community, and we, 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 we establish these rhythms to protect what we, what we like and what's familiar, but we don't necessarily have regular rhythms of engaging people that aren't Christian or aren't, that don't go to church. We don't engage with topics or communities that are, that to our, uh, that are different than us. We become comfortable Christians. And if that's you, our step is, our first step is to acknowledge that, to acknowledge that so that we can begin to repent and turn away from that because that is not the faith that we see in scripture. But for others of us, obedience to God into the unfamiliar might be to rub shoulders with people or in spaces that are unfamiliar to us, where we feel unsettled, where we actually let those feelings arise. Maybe it's rubbing shoulders with people that aren't Christian, um, people that don't go to church or are, 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 are working for a cause for the common good, but you're not used to you know, seeing them on the regular. Uh, maybe it's engaging with a different community than ours here. Maybe it's building deep friendship with a person that has a different faith than you. And I don't mean just by doing it once. I think sometimes we do that. We, we, we go to one thing, we're like, man, you know, I, I did it, you know. We go there once, we tap our own back, we tap our shoulder, and it's like, man, I just served the Lord. Um, and then you, we feel good about it. But when, even when you think about Abraham, he left, he left his home, he left where he was settled, and he lived in a whole new context. He embraced the circumstance. He let that become part of his new rhythm because he was called to. It was constant rubbing shoulders and being in a new place of new people. And it, it involves that new regularity. But as we obey that call to become a, a blessing, we, we choose to want to shine in that space so that we can be a blessing to those that are in an unfamiliar land to us. For us, our obedience to Christ in the unfamiliar isn't just to preach the gospel as much as preaching the gospel is important, but it's to be gospel-transformed people, okay? To be gospel-transformed people that reflect God's goodness and the way he's changed us so that that 
touches people's lives. I think sometimes we feel like our love is just to preach. You know, we said it, we preach the gospel, and then we leave and we say, at least I did, you know, I, 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 I gave them the love they needed or they needed to know versus being the embodiment of love that Christ has done in us and has transformed us so that we can be able to do and be that for others. It isn't just to preach the gospel, but to be gospel-transformed people that reflect God's goodness to those whose lives we touch. Where might be God calling you to obey and set up your tents in unfamiliar and uncomfortable settings? Maybe you'll need to become proximate to communities that are different than yours, whether it's ethnic or whether it's a different social economic class, learning their stories, people on the margins, people of different faith. You know, some of the close friends that I've made personally uh, in the LGBTQ community over the past few years was simply just by saying yes to hang out. Simple. Just say yes. Sometimes we don't want to say yes because we don't know them. We don't know. We, where are we going to put it? What situation am I going to put myself in? Right? And we get, we get afraid. And so we're just, ah, you know, I kind of busy. I got to do my own thing. But just by simply saying yes to engage, to, to learn, to learn people's stories and to love in ways that to, to see how that unfolds. Maybe you're retired. Um, God is calling you out of your home maybe to volunteer. Maybe that can be something, whether it's to a cause, even for here at Sunset Church. I mean, we have that after-school program, SNAP, um, and plug in it for you, Nate. Uh, but, you know, we have retirees coming in and serving and helping our community. These are FSK uh, kids, uh, fam like families that we know that we have built friendships with too. And being able to serve their kids with whatever skills that you have, it's just a way to rub shoulders and to, and, and to, and to give ourselves. But maybe it's not necessarily to be uh, uh, an issue of physical unfamiliarity, but maybe it's the financial discomfort that God might be calling you into. Not just saving money for our family or our future or beyond the, our tithe, but or, or just our tithe, but beyond that, to help those in need, to help those, to help causes that are good for the common good. Like these are things that we can obey God with to cause, not just to, for the feeling of discomfort, but these are things we do to obey in faith because we want to bear witness of who God is through our lives. A life of faith obeys God into the unfamiliar. And I would argue if many of us are comfortable in life, we may not be obeying God. We may not. But let that, let that sit with you. I don't want to promote guilt. I want us to just reflect on our relationship with God. Am I obeying? Am I obeying? Or am I obeying myself? As we move on, we, we see that the reason he's able to obey God's call uh, into the unfamiliar is because, secondly, his faith deeply trusts God. 
The life of faith trusts God that God will be faithful to what he says. You know, the writer of Hebrews said in verse 8 that Abraham was called to go to a place where he was to receive an inheritance from God. That's what it says in, at the end of verse 8, to receive um, this land as an inheritance from God. God's promise was Abraham and his descendants would be given land and that, and that God would make his lineage into a great nation. This was the promise that Abraham trusted from God. But what's remarkable about Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith, is that God's bidding, God's promise of the future inheritance was enough, was enough for Abraham to courageously go into the unknown. That was enough for him. And for Abraham to obey God's bidding really shows that his relationship with God was full of trust. You, you promised me this, I will go. I trust you. I trust you, God. His relationship was full of trust. He fully was confident to that God's promise to him was true. And so he responded to go into this uncertain future. You see, for Abraham, God was utterly reliable. Even if Abraham didn't personally live to see the fulfillment of this promise, which is what happened. He trusted God that generations later, you will be faithful to my people. If I, I just have to do my part, run my leg. He found God to be utterly trustworthy and reliable to obey. The life of faith trusts God. The life of faith has a relationship that truly trusts God's words and promise. And this trust that Abraham had in God is really worth reflecting for our lives. Do we as believers find God trustworthy and reliable? And if we say we do, how does our obedience demonstrate? Sometimes I feel like trust, you know, we say it, just trust God. We trust God. But what does our obedience look like? Is it, I trust God because I trust that I can figure this out, <laughs> you know? Um, what does our obedience look like? Does it demonstrate that we trust him? I think the primary thing that holds us back from trusting God is like any other relationship that involves trust. It's fear. It's fear. We fear that our trust might be taken advantage of, right? You feel vulnerable when you have to trust. We fear that maybe God might not be faithful if I take this step. We fear that life won't unfold the way that we'd like. And you know what? That last fear can very well happen. <laughs> can very well happen. That life won't unfold the way that we'd like. We may not have the security and stability that we'd like. We may not be able to, uh, we may have to relinquish the control that we once had, but God will not take advantage of our trust. God will not, he will honor it like he honored Abraham's trust in him. God will honor our trust and be faithful to what he promised. And 
And even if God promises, as God promises us things, things like by our love, by our love, the world will know that you are my disciples. He promises that through your love, the world will know that you are disciples of Christ. Then we trust God in who, in, lo- in the way that we love, even if it hurts, because the world will know that we're his disciples. We trust him. We do it. We obey because he promises to use that character to shine who he is. The world might know who he is through our lives. That's obedience. The life of faith trusts God. I think it's worth evaluating today if our relationship with God is one of trust. Do we trust? Ask yourself, do I trust God? And if you do, what does obedience look like in your life? Has your trust in God made you feel vulnerable? That you fear getting hurt by God or you fear that he might not be faithful? Is that the extent of your trust? But then you still choose to trust him on the journey. That type of trust, when we trust God like that, when we become vulnerable, when we rely deeply in what he promises, these are, this is the mark. These are the marks of the life of faith that we see in scripture. The life of faith obeys God and trusts God, but how? Okay. Stop telling me what to do. How do, how? Like, how do I do this? How do I, how, I, how am I able to live this out? We live this life of faith by having vision for what is yet to come. Verse 10, for he, Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham obeyed God. He trusted God because he fixed his eyes on a city that God designed and made, a city where God would rule, God's justice and goodness would flow. It's a city, and it's a city with a foundation that Abraham saw for himself and his people that they would be able to settle in as a home. And so Abraham believed that this city, wherever God was leading him, would be a better place. So he trusted and obeyed God. That's why he was able to leave Haran and to be able to leave all that he knew. That's why he was able to live in tents and that's why he, he was okay with never settling. That's why he lived like a nomad because he caught God's vision for a home that his descendants could enjoy that God promised him. Abraham caught God's vision for what is yet to come, this established city of God that would be revealed at the time of fulfillment. And that drove Abraham to be able to live this life of faith that obeyed, that trusted God. To the point where even he himself, he didn't get to see the city or he didn't get to see the fruit of getting to the city, but he ran his leg with the hopes that one day his descendants would be able to enjoy the land that God promised them where all the families through his people, all the families of the earth 
would be blessed through them. Abraham was able to live this life of faith, a faith that trusted and obeyed God by having vision for what is yet to come. He saw, and I would say maybe he even dreamed that about what God promised, and that fueled him. Maybe he started to use his imagination. What is this? What could this place be? What would it be like to have this, this city of foundation where God is builder, where God is ruler, how, where God's goodness flows? Like, whoa, he's, he's drawn to it, and he goes, and he's fueled by it because God promises that, you know, that, that will come into fruition one day. But it leads him. It fuels him. When it comes to how we live out a life of faith, I wonder how many of us are driven by what is yet to come. Now think about that. How many of us are we're, we're driven by heaven? We're driven by life with God. Like finally, unhindered worship and expression, no sin and brokenness, healed. We we long for it. We're driven to be there. How many of us are driven by what is yet to come? For Abraham, he looked forward to a city where he and his, and his descendants can settle. But for us, I don't know if a destination is, is what drives us forward, you know? I think for me personally, it doesn't, I think of heaven, I think of Finally, just getting, if it were just a place, I don't know if that excites me personally. But our vision for what is to come is vital. It's vital for a life of faith that trusts and obeys God. What kind of heavenly city do you long for, brothers and sisters? What do you long for? Maybe you've never asked yourself that question. What? What in eternity do I long for? Do I long to see? I long to see God's rule and reign and beauty expressed in this place. As I enter this new season of ministry, I'm realizing how important it is to have vision for what is yet to come. How important it is to dream, uh, to have kingdom dreams and catch God's vision of heaven. I think one of the things that I've been drawn to these last few years is really wanting to see unique expressions of worship. Unique expressions of worship, ethnic, cultural, spiritual expressions of worship that are beautiful and a pleasing aroma to God. I, like, I see it. I see it. I'm drawn by God to work toward it. I, I'm caught by that vision, and that's why I'm in a season where I am obeying, and I am trusting God to work toward this because it would be so beautiful to see that in heaven. Every ethnic culture and the full expression of how God made them worshiping you know when we go to heaven we're not going to all be singing hill songs you know 
it's going to be so unique. It's going to be so beautiful because each ethnic culture has such a beauty and reflection and a spirituality that is different that God created. But so often, I mean, to, to look forward to do that, for that to happen, there's going to be a lot of healing that needs to be, that has to, that Jesus needs to heal for a lot of the pain that Christians caused for that to be true. But I am driven to see these expressions in heaven one day. My city, my heavenly city that I look forward to, I want to see it. I want to see it. I'm drawn to it. And so that's why I feel led to trust and obey. Because the work to do that is difficult. It's complicated. Because we only know one perspective, one expression that's here in the West. But there's so much beauty that God wants to do. He wants, he wants to be able to, to, uh, to be seen from one another. And I'm drawn to that. I want to run my leg just like Abraham for what is yet to come. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime personally, but I'm drawn as I see from the forefathers of faith in this hall of faith in scripture. They didn't do it for the immediate results. They, they ran their leg for the generations after them. And that's my dream, to be able to be faithful to do that so that it can, I can be able to see that in the heavenly city one day. What dreams do you have for God's city, heavenly city in eternity? You know, maybe some of us are obviously maybe not driven the same way I am, but you're, you're driven um, to see God's character, his beauty in this city, because maybe you're driven to see, you're tired of the injustices that you see in this world. So you want to engage in justice issues. You want to engage with and, and shine God's goodness because you long for a city that will reign with God's goodness. So by faith, you obey, you go into places, you engage, you understand, you share God's love, you, you demonstrate a gospel-transformed life in an uncomfortable place because they need to see light. They need to see someone shining because of what God had done through you in Christ. If that's you, then trust and obey, obey God and engage in that for the present. Run your leg to care about justice for people because one day in the heavenly city, God's justice will reign. If you haven't caught a vision from God, maybe you need to invite God to give you vision, to help you dream. You know, some of our conversations now at the elder le level is we're looking forward to dream. I mean, so many of the changes that we're going through, uh, as much as there's changes, what's happening is we're creating space to dream. And I will say this, because I'm leaving. <laughs> I will say this. Your dreams 
for the kingdom shape our church? I would say it's don't just wait for the elders to dream. We're, we're all ordinary like Abraham, but God can draw us and help us see what, what could be so beautiful for his glory, for Christ. Dream. Have vision. Catch vision from God. And dream for something that is for the kingdom, that reflects who he is. Dream and obey and trust. God's spirit was not just for Abraham. It's for us. That's how it's, it's for today. It's what marks us as the people of God that his spirit can lead us to do amazing things for the kingdom. Don't stay in your fortress. Dream, have vision, shape our church so that we can shine and be a city on a hill here in San Francisco. What do you long for? What do you look forward to? When that question is answered, it will help us live a life of faith characterized by trust and obedience to God. You know, when I think we catch God's vision, it feels like this. This is a picture that I took while I was on one of my many walks um, that I've had over the last two years. This is on Ocean Beach. Um, starting to love foggy days. Took me, I don't know, seven years living here <laughs> to enjoy the fog maybe, but um, God has been speaking to me in the fog. You know, you can keep it up there. It's okay. Keep that up there, the picture. Um, I like the fog because it reminds me of this is how it is to walk with God. Can't see. I can't see what's ahead. But one of the things I enjoyed about walking through the fog is that as I'm walking, things emerge. It's like, oh, there's people here. There's people here. Oh, things start to take shape as I keep going. As I keep going, things take shape. Oh, look at that. There's a, you know, cliff house. I see it. Things emerge as we walk in the fog, as we trust and obey. And sometimes we see the fog and we're just like, man, I'm staying home, you know. But the life of faith is like walking through fog. You have to trust, you obey, you walk, you go, and things emerge, the plan unfolds. And so for so many of us, I don't know if that characterizes what our faith but I want it to. I want it to be for all of us that this is what characterizes the people of God. We are bold. We don't, we're not afraid because we trust God. He is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. I can walk. I can be bold for him. I can obey. I can shine here because my labor is not in vain if it's for his glory, if it's for Christ. It's not. And maybe it'll make me feel unsettled. And that's where we are right now. We feel unsettled as a family. But this is not our home. 
and that's okay. We live for the generations after. We live for God's glory. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to do the same. Let's live out what the faith that we see in Scripture, not the faith that we've made it. Faith we see in Scripture that is bold, that obeys, that trusts, that has vision, that is driven by a kingdom, a kingdom dream. I pray that all of us as brothers and sisters, not just few, but all of us, catch that so that we might be a part of our leg that God has asked us to run. Let's pray together. Just take a moment, just reflect on your faith. What have you made of your faith? Is it just familiarity? Is it just rhythms of church, community life within the church? Just being around Christians, creating a fortress because it feels safe. The life of faith in scripture is not that. It obeys, trust God. You're going to places that are unfamiliar because through us, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We have Christ. We know his transformative power. And we can share that with others. Ask him for his grace, for his guidance and his help. Lord, we come to you. Many of us, a broken faith, a faith that's very comfortable. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit bothers us. Bother us, God. Bother our lives. Bother us to be uncomfortable for you. Draw us to have vision for what you want us to do. Help us to say yes to situations or invitations that might make us uncomfortable because who knows how that can unfold, what you might stir in our heart. Relationships that you might use to draw people to yourself. God, I pray pray that you guide our church, Sunset Church, to be a true people of faith, that live faith that we see in the scriptures, that radically love, that go where you call us because we want to shine. God, help us to build these muscles so that we would be different, that we would show the world that you exist, that by our love, the world will know that you, that we are your disciples. Because it's radical, it's different. We're not like everyone else that just builds a home, 
create security. That's not what you call us to do here. So God, I pray for your grace to be upon us. We trust you, God. Grow us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.